This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. <laughs> Directed by the writer William Peter Blatty, and um, we've got so many interesting things to say about this film. It is also considered to have the best jump scare ever. That's up for debate. We'll talk about that later. Um, tonight we have Rob, the cinema drunkie, and Squetta. May the Schwartz be with you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Eric Wright. Hi. Um, Dave Garman. What's up, everybody? And Daniel Nightmare Nerd Ryan. Tell him you ran with a son of a bitch named Damien Karras. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to let Erica start us off with our conversation tonight. Oh, yay. Okay. Yay. Thrilled to be here. Um, I have actually read uh, Blatty's novel, Legion, which was the basis for this movie. It initially starts out like. Uh, pretty much the same as the film um there's even that weird dialogue about the carp swimming in the bathtub it's in the beginning of the movie so at first it's it's pretty close to the movie but then the two diverge uh one thing that i like about the novel that's not in the film and would honestly not be a good addition to the film or just hard to adapt or explain is the weird heretical theological rabbit hole that Blatty goes down in the novel. Basically the, the protagonist, the, um, the, the main character who's the, the Jewish detective is on this quest to find about the nature of evil and how God can be truly good. If all this shit happens in the world. 
so he's like, well, you know, the Gnostics think this thing, and they, they're kind of onto something, but it's not quite right. And he's, he's just trying to find out, like, how can God be truly good, but all this terrible stuff happens in, in the world. So his conclusion that he reaches, and also through a series of visions and dream sequences in the book, is that the entire created universe is actually the body of Lucifer, that Lucifer told God, I want to experience myself as a material created being. And God says, are you sure you want to do this? This is going to be painful. And Lucifer says, yes, I really want to do this. So God gives his blessing and says, I will send someone, capital S, to be with you. Someone, I think, meaning Christ. Uh, and then gives permission for Lucifer to create himself. So the big bang is Lucifer falling from heaven and including himself and creating the entire universe as we know it, which means that all of the things in this world and all the, the beings and the people, we're all part of Lucifer. So at the end of the book, he says, we are legion, meaning we're all part of Lucifer. Eventually Lucifer will piece himself back together again and be reunited with God in heaven. So that's a summary of the weekend. Interesting. Very fascinating um, theological rabbit hole that I'm sure. Yeah, the I mean, it, it starts off like you know with very Dante's Divine Comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it starts off like who hasn't? I mean, I know for me, um, in my theological, you know, just trying to figure out what I believe, what I don't. Um, who hasn't said, okay, well, if God is like this great, wonderful thing, when does all this terrible stuff happen? Like, who hasn't? That hasn't crossed their mind at least once, but I don't think I would have gone to that place. Like that's an interesting yeah. perspective, you know? Yeah. I had never thought of that either. And I mean, at, at the same time, from a conventional Christian point of view, I don't know that one could really disagree with it because Blatty's still setting up Jesus as the savior yes. to help Lucifer put himself back together. So Jesus is still the, the mediator who, you know, give salvation to all the beings who are part of Lucifer, and then they reunite, reintegrate, and then join God again sometime, I don't know, at the end of time or whatever. But fascinating idea. Definitely. My, my, my ultimate interpretation of that whole question actually came from a British comedy. Oh, yeah? Oh, time okay. Bandits. The scene at the very end where the supreme being manifests as a middle-aged, bald, British man in a suit and tie, very snarky, <laughs> and I forget the exact details of the conversation, but the main character, the kid, says something about, well, wait a minute, why do we have to have evil? And the supreme being just says, well, I think it has something to do with free will. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I mean, if you want to really, like, kind of question things, read Vonnegut. Um, I, I like Galapagos is a good one. Um but Kurt Vonnegut has some really interesting ideas as well. If you really want to go and into like a book journey, go down that rabbit hole because he will throw some shit at you. Like makes you go, what? Hold on. I need to rethink everything. Yeah. And if I might add one, one other bit of obscure pop culture literature from the comic series, the Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Uh, Oh, Neil Gaiman fan here. Yeah. One of my favorite issues, one of the mini series they did for the Sandman, actually one of the more overlooked ones was a Preludes and Nocturnes, which sets the stage for a lot of big events in the series. And there's the setup is Morpheus has to go to hell and face Lucifer. And he sends Cain of the biblical Cain and Abel as his messenger to tell Lucifer, look, I'm coming, be ready. 
and there's just this great little part where Lucifer asks Cain, have you heard of the Canaanites? And Cain says, no, I haven't. And Lucifer tells him, well, they were a sect who thought you were the wronged party in that ordeal with your brother, and that you were the real victim, and no more of them ended up here than any other religion. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then he, best, uh, the, oh, I'm sorry, the Dave. Best de- the best depiction of Lucifer I've ever seen in a movie is John Ritter in Holy Moses. If, if you know this movie, it's sort of an obscure comedy. I've I, I, heard I, of it, but I don't think I've seen it. John, John Ritter does a bit as, as uh, Lucifer in this really bad sort of Halloween shop devil costume. It's just a great bit, but if you haven't, it doesn't really apply, but it's a very, it's a very funny bit. <laughs> And I like the uh, Star Trek one where they go looking for God, and at the end he's just this big floating head, you know, out in the end of the universe. I like that. Oh, that's, uh, uh, Zardoz has spoken. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Star Trek V, the final frontier. Yeah, right. The, right, the what final frontier. Right? God with the starship. Yeah, and at the end he's just this big floating head out at the end of the universe. It's like, okay, cool. Well, if I had to, if I had to pick a Lucifer, I'd have to go with Harvey Keitel and Little Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I. I I, I definitely got to go with uh, Tim Curry as Darkness and uh, Legend. Oh, yeah. Yo, oh, I was going to say that. He's still mine. For, for me, it's an even tie between Rowan Atkinson in a skit he did as the devil and yeah. also between Al Pacino in Devil's Advocate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, was, he was born for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he really was. Okay, um, Rob, I thought you um, had something that yeah. you really wanted to go into. Yeah. Um, well, like, you know, it basically w- w- what I was uh, going to say was really about William Peter Blatty in general, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, William Peter Blatty was such an exceptional writer, you know. Oh, God, and, yes. Like, yeah. And, uh, like the novel Exorcist story. is way scarier than the movie. Right. And, uh, yeah, he, like, he's always, you know, his name is always you know, thrown back to the exorcist and how could it not be because the the exorcist is one of the quintessential horror films. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, it makes, it it makes sense, but, um, like his gift as a storyteller and as a filmmaker was just phenomenal in that, uh, he did this and then he did a previous film called, uh, the ninth configuration. Configuration. Yeah. Has anybody else seen the ninth configuration? I'm familiar with it, but I have no, not. No, I'm not. I'm afraid. I saw um, it, and then I got annoyed and couldn't finish it. Because it was so <laughs> Like, what the hell is it, this? It, 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 is, it is an acquired taste, but uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely cannot say enough good things about the, the night configuration. I believe it's before, too, yeah. Yeah, like, but what, what I love about it is that it's, it's you know, the connecting tissue between Exorcist one and three more so than Exorcist two, the Heretic. Which, we don't, you that know, movie doesn't exist. Yeah. I forget. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you? Yeah, the ninth configuration is more uh, is a better sequel to the Exorcist than that one is. Mm-hmm. Where um, you actually have a link, uh, uh, Colonel Cutshaw, the astronaut that Reagan tells you're gonna die up there. Die up there. Right before, uh-huh. right before she pees on the rug is basically sort of the the main character in the ninth configuration, and that statement has like a cataclysmic effect on him which caused him when he's about to blast into space he has a nervous breakdown and they drag him off the 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 ship screaming there's nothing up there nothing and he eventually goes to say he's committed to an insane asylum that's uh basically an old castle in like turkey yeah and um uh uh 
they they put in a uh, uh, army colonel uh, played by Stacy Keach, uh, who they call who's basically gotten the name of Killer Kane because of an incident he had in combat. And um, the the film is yeah the film is a quiet taste because it's basically like a comedy slash insane drama. Like there's so Are many like surreal. Yeah, like there, there's so many moments of just like weird like abstract drama, but also like just comedy. Like there's lines like. Why don't you stick a pineapple up your ass and pretend you're Hawaiian? And, uh, <laughs> That's a new one on me. Yeah, like you know, there's uh, there, there's great lines. Uh, Cutshaw, like he's he's completely just utterly uh, like well, he's more like pretending he's insane, but like he's not truly insane. Like there's a scene where it's like torrential rain outside in the middle of the night, and he walks in on Kane with like beach attire. He's like, I want to go swimming. It's night and it's raining. I see you're determined to start an argument. <laughs> well, you know, like, you know, um, Vladdy was actually um, known as a, a comedic writer um, yes. previous to The Exorcist like his stuff was, was comedies and um, with the ninth configuration it was um, something Killer Kane, I can't remember yeah, but he Killer Kane. Yeah, and so he redid that as the ninth configuration yeah. yeah, he actually he actually shot that as the title, but they changed it to the ninth configuration uh, after after uh, filming was completed. But um, what the, the the story in that one is that um, Cutshaw has had a nervous breakdown because his you know he's now disbelieving that God doesn't exist, and you realize that's the the connecting tissue between Exorcist, ninth configuration, and the Exorcist three, where you have the three main protagonists who. Uh, absolutely come into conflict with their faith, and you know, yeah. and and faith plays a big part in all three movies. And it's basically oh, yeah. just uh, these three protagonists, you know, uh, Karis, uh, Cutshaw, and Kinderman finding their faith once again, you know, throughout these incidents with that they go through. And I think that uh, that uh, was telling you know, Laddie himself struggling, right, with yeah. you know, as a Catholic. Exactly. Yeah, like you could see, like you know, that being like almost like therapeutic in him, the way he tells these stories. You and know, as writers, like, that's what we do. It is therapy. Yes, I can tell absolutely. You, as a writer, that's what we right, do. like so, so, like you know, I mean, I really wanted to say, like, if you haven't seen the night configuration, please do. It's an exception. Yeah, like, yeah, like it's it, it's 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 really deep. You know, it's kind of weird, and like it's incredibly funny. Like, uh, like there's another moment where they're playing cards and, like, the dude keeps cutting the cards. He's saying, no, most people only cut cards once. Well, 13 is my lucky number. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and it's, just, it's just an exceptional film. And it's just, I like the way it, like, it connects films. Like, that's the true trilogy for me is Exorcist, Nice Configuration, and Exorcist 3. And that's the way you go. Please forget Exorcist 2 exists. Fuck that movie. We're all yeah. trying. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Oh, Daniel, no. I, I, I will confess, no. that movie's a guilty pleasure of mine. I love it because I hate it. It is a <laughs> glorious train wreck, and that's yeah. what I love. It is, it is, it is really funny. Like, uh, 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 Richard it, it, it is a brilliant, it's a brilliant drunk movie. Yes, it is, yes. It's so boring. I just hate it because it's boring. And like, it's like, like I wanted to see something else going on. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So like when when, on, when this film came out, when X, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No, when they're on the train Excuse going me. to Georgetown and uh, the conductor comes up and like he thinks that uh, Reagan is robbing uh, Richard Burton, he goes, <laughs> she belongs to me. Like, like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Weird. Okay, she charges by the hour. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Mm. I, yeah. Uh, I want to start off like uh, our actual conversation for Exorcist Three, the the films, and saying like when this movie came out, I was, you know, I saw a little bit after it came out because I was I, I watched Exorcist One, Exorcist Two, then I got to this film, not too too long after it was released, and um, anything after Exorcist Two looks good. So Exorcist Three left a big impression on me when I was younger. I don't know, eleven, twelve. Uh, I couldn't have been older than twelve. Um, but, you know, going back and, and watching it as an adult, I got a different vibe, you know, like with, you know, not seeing it through a child's eyes. I saw it through a grown-up's eyes and, and just my experiences and stuff. And I'm like, huh, you know, I had, I had some more questions. I, um, I'm going to start out with a little bit of controversy. I, I have two controversial things. One is that I love the character of Kinderman. That's not the controversial part. He is so beautifully written, so well translated on the screen. Um, Lee J. Cobb in The Exorcist nailed him. I mean, just down to the quirks and like the, you know, like it seems like he's a bumbling doofus in a way like, oh, it's no concern. But, you know, he's really hot on the on the trail of figuring shit out. Mm-hmm. And I like his friendship with uh, Father Karras, Father Dyer. Um and then um, I, I like George C. Scott. He's a great actor. But he played Kinderman differently than Lee J. Cobb. I really wish, you know, Lee J. Cobb died two years after The Exorcist was released. Mm-hmm. I really wish Lee J. Cobb could have right, continued to play yeah. um, Kinderman. It's, and it's nothing against George C. Scott. Like, this is maybe controversial. I just think George C. Scott played him, like, way too angry. Because that's how George C. Scott plays characters, right. is angry. Yeah. That's just, oh, yeah. most, he goes was zero to a hundred on anger. He's either angry <laughs> not, or not angry. He's got that he's got that yell. He's got that yell. Yeah. Yeah, he's very he does it in every movie. So aggressive. And yeah. and I think that that kind of loses a little finesse in the Kinderman character um in George C. Scott's portrayal. Um because, you know, uh Kinderman's not like that. Um, yeah. It doesn't translate as well. I mean, I'm not saying he did a bad job. And if you weren't like super paying attention on red books or, you know, whatever with with this particular, you know, story series, um, maybe it just doesn't bother you. But to me, it's more like I just really like the way Lee J. Cobb did it. I really liked his portrayal. So Georgie Scott, OK, you're great. You're a great actor. But maybe this wasn't the role for you. I don't know. Yeah, one thing that's interesting, so I just um, listened to the, the interview that Vladdy gave um, that was, well, it was, I don't remember when it was recorded, but it was featured on, if you have, like, this Shout Factory special edition oh, okay. of The Exorcist, um, it's the audio it. commentary that goes with the director's cut, which was a posthumous director's cut. I was kind of yeah. surprised to hear this. George C. Scott took exception to the character of Kinderman being Jewish. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, as Joe Bob said, yeah. uh, when he aired it in the, in the last season, um, the season two of Last Drive-In, um, there was a lot of big personalities, a lot of people not, yeah. being like, you know, behind the scenes. You know, you had um, 
Jason Miller, a Pulitzer Prize winning, mm. you know, playwright, wonderful actor, but, uh, you know, he couldn't, yeah, he basically had wet brain. Yeah, he was just a terrible alcoholic, and a lot of alcoholics, actually, in this film, George e. Scott was one. And he was, Georgie Scott, he's one of those, you know, the way he, he is on camera is apparently the way he is behind the scenes, a very aggressive, take charge, it's got to be his way, he thinks this, you know. And then he had Jason Miller, who just really couldn't remember the lines. But that gave Brad Dourif, who honestly should get all the awards, um, a bigger chance to shine. And, I mean, he is really riveting. Like, he yeah. is, to me, like, oh, my God, he's so fucking great <laughs> in this. Yeah. Um, so it gave Plus him... haunting a- eyes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. you know, he had to go back in and do, like, the longer speaking parts. And just that... He has that way of just... The, the way that he gets that look in his eyes and the way that he mm-hmm. says things. Like, oh, my God, it was so fucking amazing. Like, goosebumps. What a... Yeah. Is such a scene stealer. Like I kind of forget that he's actually not in the movie for that much time no. in the overall right. film. But he's what I remember about this film more than exactly. anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He is right. so riveting. Right. Like the 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 scenes. Like you know, I I love the film on a whole, but the scenes I return to the most are his scenes. Oh, it's, it's like, amazing. And I've always said if they could give. Anthony Hopkins, the best actor Oscar for 15 minutes of screen time, they could have gave graduate at least best supporting actor for nine. Or just right. even That's the nomination. Was, but you know how yeah. they are about horror. And and this was less horror and more like thriller. Yeah, it was like a mystery. Yeah, like more psychological horror. Yeah. You know, they, they threw the exorcism in there because um they wanted to bank into the exorcist yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, because there wasn't supposed to be an exorcism. Thanks, yeah. Morgan. Yeah. Thanks a lot was for your totally fucking bullshit that you did with this film, by the way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just really, I that's what I always think about is is his scenes. And he is just so amazing. But, yeah, he, he was really going to be less of a part. But, unfortunately, and it is tragic for, for Jason Miller, um, what, you know, just being an alcoholic and, and what it does to you. Um it, it, he's because he is phenomenal. Like when you think of the excess, I mean, I think it would have amazing performance he gave. And he also gave the world Jason Patrick, you know, however you feel about that. <laughs> That's his son. Uh, also, 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 not to take it away. The, he also gave us Joshua John Miller, who was in uh, near dark yeah. and who, co- who yeah. co-wrote the phenomenal, the final girls. Uh, I just want to put that out there. He co he co-wrote the Final Girls, and I I cannot say enough good things about the Final Girls. And he actually wrote the Final Girls as a way to dealing with his his dad Jason Miller's death. Wow. And if, if you know, like you know, because you know, you, you being the child of someone who was in this famous horror film, mm-hmm. and you know, dealing with their you know with their death, you know, the tragic death and stuff, and that was his way of getting his feelings out about that. So like when you look at the film, it's it's even more sorrowful when you watch it. You know what I'm saying? Like I cry at the end every time of uh, Me too. Not, not at the very end, but toward the end of uh, the uh, final. Games. It's just I love that movie so much. I'm glad you yes. mentioned like that whole audience at uh, at the Stanley uh, Film Festival. That uh, was it 2015, I think I saw that. But the whole audience was just bawling their eyes out at the end of the oh final. Oh my god! Game. So yeah, sorry. yeah. When they start playing uh, uh, Betty Davis eyes for the second yeah. time at the end, oh my God, it's just, <laughs> it just wrecks the fuck out of me. But you know, I think what's interesting is 
just so far in this conversation, we have talked about how people have written and created these things and that have been therapeutic. And I honestly, as a novelist myself, we do that. This is how we deal. It's kind of like a, a therapy and we create art out of our pain, out of our yeah. questions, our struggles. And it, and it turns out, and the stuff that's created without art, like, okay, I'm going to write just a screenplay and I want to cash in on it. You can tell that when you watch the film or when you read the book. It's but, a cash grab, yeah. Yeah, with stuff that with, with the heart in there, with the soul, with the struggle, with the pain, with everything like that, um, you feel it. You get more out of it. It means something. Yes. You know, definitely. Don't, yeah, don't you find that horror is horror is the is the best uh, genre of film to, to to bring out that catharsis? That's what I find anyway. We're yeah, all horror yes. fans. Yes, I, 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 and you were not there for our our conversation um, about hereditary, but that is yeah, just. Yeah, I wish I had been there because that that yeah, movie. Yeah, it, it was a I, movie I, about. I, when I when I go to bed at night, I still look up in the corner to see if mom's floating up there. <laughs> that like, sucked me up for a week. No, I don't. On a related note. It probably bears mentioning for the timing of this conversation. Since uh, Ratchet will be debuting on Netflix uh, the next day or so, oh, yeah. uh, Brad, Brad Dorff's debut role in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, yeah, of the most, just... one, one of the most de- devastating scenes of all time, in my opinion. When oh, his my God. Char- please, please. When, oh, no. Oh, when, I can't. When, his, when his character has finally overcome his stutter, when he's finally developed that confidence to stand up to Ratchet, and all she does is say, what will your mother think? Yeah. And those few words just devastate him. You can see it. Like, yeah. yeah. He, he's very underrated in terms of his ability That's to That's another character. haunting work of art right there. You just fucked me up, Daniel. You just fucked me up. <laughs> just thinking about that. And story, I didn't even use loop. That story, that that whole thing, that it will, that fucking just rips your heart out and stomps on it. It really that, does. That's the, that, that that movie is the reason I I, I cannot stand to see Louise Fletcher in movies like like she hated that she is. yeah like you bitch you bitch you know, she she actually did a photo shoot on the set the last day of filming in her bra and panties because she wanted to show everyone look I'm not this horrible monster okay Just... I wear underwear <laughs> I, I can be funny I can be sexy I can. But um, no, but she, at, sometimes you 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 do a role and it, it is what you are forever, you know. Yeah, yeah Wicked Witch Wicked Witch of the West. Also, uh, uh, Christina Ricci and Monster. Like, I can't look at her the same way again after watching Monster. Uh, that's his that's, woman. That's my bae. I'm sorry, but uh, okay. After after seeing Monster, I cannot look at her the same way again. Like, fuck you. Yeah. And, uh, I know. I know. Eileen. Uh, was a a monster in herself. Which you know, aptly titled, but uh, the way she just portrays her in there, like, like absolutely betrays her. It's just like, fuck you. Yeah, it's, well, it hurts. Take your big forehead and go home now. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. but, but, on your but, girl. But then I see her oh, chained to a radiator in Black Snake Moan. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> well then, don't 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 watch Mississippi Burning. It'll ruin Brad Dorothy. Please don't chain yeah. me to a radiator. I'm really not into that. Thanks. <laughs> Um, switching gears, um, I want to go back and and my my second little controversial thing is this. There's a scene in this film, and everybody knows the the long pan scene in the hospital mm-hmm. with the, the shears, and everybody calls that the best jump scare of all time. Um, I don't agree. 
But Me either. I, I do not agree. I don't know why people consider that the I will, best jump scare. I think it like it's good. Yeah, our, the way that it's shot, I think it's I think it's a great scene. I thought it was masterfully done. Absolutely, and you don't expect it. But it's it's right. it's not something that that it wasn't a jump scare for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, it happens fast and with the music and and you're not expecting it. Because you're just this long pan out of just random going around your bullshit stuff, and you and the music is not cueing you either. So yeah. Right, the, be- the beauty it, of it is that because how long it goes on. Right. Scenes like that. Scenes like that. When they like they you expect the jump scare like yeah. you know like to come in it. The the, the right. certain types. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes on for so long, you almost forget. You know, yeah. it's just you kind yeah. of give up. It's, like, it's so just, done, and right. I it, 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 it's, it's, it's the sideshow Bob Reich gag. Yeah. Yes. You know, you laugh, yeah. then it gets dull, then you start laughing again because it got yeah. dull. It got funny again. Well, it, and and <laughs> you say that it when when you talk about how it how it draws on so long that you forget about it, it makes me think of that scene in House of a Thousand Corpses. Where he's got the guy, the, the the sheriff or whatever, and or maybe it was the dad, I can't remember. And the oh, camera, yeah. the Making camera bag and panning, panning so back, forever. panning back yeah. forever. Oh, yeah, 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 then he yeah. pulls the trigger, you know. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. paying attention when when I watched this just the other day to bone up for this, and I was paying attention to the background in that scene. There's a cop sitting in a chair like a like a security guard. Yeah. And I was paying attention to him, and he's part of the of the gag there. Like yeah. since there's some since there's someone like the the scene it feels like there's going to be a jump like she opens the door and you're like eh, it's like a tease for ten minutes yeah but, yeah, yeah but then the fact that he's there I think puts you a little bit at ease okay there's someone else there right. uh, uh, but then right before the 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 big you know sting another cop comes in and says something to him and they walk off and then right away I th- I think that it, it lulls you into a false sense of security mm-hmm. there that scene yeah, and I agree true. I don't think it's one of the greatest jump scares of all time. But it's just it is, and it is creepy the way that the character is walking. Yeah, big, so it's just this kind of yeah. It's it's a good jump scare, not it's, the it's, best. It's, 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 yeah, it's, I, it's, I think it's pretty good. Jump scare. Maybe the top twenty best jump scares. I don't know about the yeah. best one, but I know when I first saw it, like I think I saw it in the late nineties on VHS. Um, I jumped out of my seat when I saw it. I did. I did too, but uh, like yeah, it doesn't catch It's shocking because yeah. you're like, oh shit. Yeah. But I got to tell you, the first time I watched the film when I was uh, like 11 or 12 or whatever, I can't remember which. Um, it what got to me was the fucking grandma climbing on the ceiling. Okay. <laughs> oh that yeah. That's more effective in my opinion. Yes. Right. That's the one yeah. that stood out in my mind. So when I rewatched it. As an adult, I was like, oh, shit, that didn't even get me as a kid. No. But as an adult, I appreciated it more. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I appreciated the art of it and how it was done. And, you know, because as a kid, you're kind of like, what the fuck? Like, come on now. You know, because it, 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 it was set up and it was twitching yeah. the way she was moving. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. my, in my uh, twisted mind, I, I, I was hearing Lionel Richie singing about grandmas crawling on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that's, I was singing it while the scene was going on. So. Well, sing it for us. Let's hear it. No, I can't. Oh, no. I can't do it. 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 I can't do it
the shears come out of the bag and they barely grab the daughter's head out of the way before yeah. Yeah. the shears close. Like, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was a long time. for real. Um, like, I love, I love, uh, like, um, I wanted to go back a little bit to Brad Dura for a second. Oh, uh, yeah. I love yeah. the way they play with the, I love the way they play with the tones of his voice. Like, oh, so yeah. it uh, naturally, they, like, it gets, gets deeper him. and then it gets as regular and then it gets higher, like, uh, passing well, on. And it makes sense that he's back. known for his voice, you know, because he, yes. he did great things with it. No. Is that voice him, Chucky? It, it sounded like it was done in post. Is that really just him or was that done in post? I, I believe that, it was done in post. Like, it, like, it, was, it really did stand out to me that, the way, that he, the way he thrusts his face out into the camera, too, when he's making a point, he does this where he kind of leans forward and thrusts his chin out into the camera. Uh-huh. It's really effective. But I also love how, like, he just, like, just out of nowhere starts tearing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Dance. Excuse me? And then he just starts, I like plays. Titus Andronicus, in fact. <laughs> you know, it's just like almost like that. It's just like I could just sit there and watch him. Like, I know yeah. it's just like you're mesmerized. Yes, it's yes, insane. mesmerized is the perfect it's term. Right. Yeah, it's just art. Oh, Erica, you have a Brad Dourif story. Oh, yes, I do. So, um, back in 2014, which feels like an eon ago, like the Earth was still cooling compared <laughs> to all that been through this year alone, not counting. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. was like a year ago, like like the 80s yeah. were like 20 years yeah. ago. I'm still in that mind. Yeah, no kidding. So um, <laughs> I went to Rock and Shock, which was in Boston, uh, Massachusetts area. In 2014, it was like, the context of this story is, it was the first year when Andrew Devoff, who's now my boss, but was not at the time, was serving his Jin's Hellebrew craft beer. It was the first ever serving of this beer. So it was a charity fundraiser that he did for event. this particular convention. And uh, at the time, I, you know, I was friends with him, but we weren't all that close. And I wasn't officially a volunteer even for this thing, but I was a, a consumer. So I had like three gins, hella brews at the bar um, Saturday night at that convention. And I had been up for more than 24 hours. I had been wearing these ridiculous high heel platform boots. Oh, I know. And I mean, I was like uh, really like truly not drunk. I was exhausted and my feet had swollen to epic proportions and I had bleeding blisters that got so bad. Just right combo. I texted my friends and I'm like, I don't think I can walk the two blocks back to our hotel room. Can you like help me out of here? But I didn't think at the time that people were going to think that I was like falling on my ass drunk because I had to be carried out by my friends. So this is like what happened. So like sometime after midnight, my friends came to the bar. They, they had a drink. We talked for a bit and then they literally had to carry me out of there because I could not fucking walk. (laughs) Then Sunday morning, it was like, finally my time like i i didn't even try to meet brad durf like he was on my list of people i had to talk to but you know like friday and saturday are busy and he was like the most popular person at this convention of course and, yeah. and his line like went out the door and like snaked around part of the building and i'm like i'm not waiting in that line on friday and saturday i'm gonna meet these other people first meet him on sunday so i got in like first thing on sunday short line And I didn't know I made an impression on him, we'll say, from the night before. So it's finally my turn to meet him. 
I get my DVDs autographed and I pay the extra to have my picture taken with him. And he kind of pulls me aside and he's like super nice, but he puts his hand on my shoulder. He's like, are you okay after last night? That's one hell of a way to break the ice. That's how you have to explain to Ben, like, okay, you have to understand about shoes. Beauty is pain, okay? Right. So I didn't even, I'm like, so I, I was just so embarrassed. I don't even know if I really explained that much. I was like, I'm like, oh, I, I really wasn't that drunk. I was just exhausted. My feet hurt. But I was like, I was so embarrassed. And I didn't even notice that he noticed me because that whole convention was about keeping the celebrity guests separate from the riffraff fan base. So yeah. they had a separate VIP, like, upper deck. You should have been felt privileged. Yeah, I know, for the celebrity guests. And I, I did notice that Brad Dourif came down occasionally to get a refill on his beer and chat with people. But he wasn't hanging out at the bar as much as some of us were. Like, um, William Forsythe, who's Andrew Devoff's best friend for, like, almost 30 years, was hanging out constantly and then took over bartending for a while. But I was just at the bar constantly and... I probably just looked like some kind of lush, so I was so embarrassed. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Andrew Deboff <laughs> is best friends with William Forsythe? Yes, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rob is... Okay. I, I just... just boom 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 oh boom The energy between those two is just must be magical. Oh. It, it is. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thirsting right now. It's yeah. just, I love... I love, I love Andrew. Take another drink. <laughs> and I love... I love William Forsythe so much, you yeah. know, it's like, just, you know, just to think about those two in a room chat and just, you know, it's like, oh. yeah, it, it is cool. Like, yeah. They, they have been friends for almost 30 years. And that, I mean, the reason that they're close friends is the reason why they're in like at least five movies together. So, but yeah, I was just like, like I was so embarrassed that I finally get to meet Brad Dourif and it was like, Oh, he thinks I'm like, after that i'm like schlumping over to andrew devoff's table like i'm just full of shame and he's like you looked like you were in bad shape last night are you okay and i'm like i cannot take this from you right now <laughs> little knowing <laughs> it's shoes I'm telling you those shoes that make your legs look good they're bastards yes, exactly. you shame sleep deprivation it was like that's why I'm glad I'm a man yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think you think Brad Dorf sits around like dinner parties he talks about this chick he saw at a show one time how to get carried out right. Oh yeah, and those and those boots she had on, Jesus oh, Christ! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, she was she was messed up. I tell you, I was very concerned. Erica, have you looked on have you looked on YouTube to see if they've they've got videos of you on there? <laughs> Hang on. Maybe I should. Uh oh. How do you spell, how do you spell your last name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find it. Don't worry, we'll find anything. <laughs> like my embarrassment with Bruce Campbell, I just hope that like he tells that story to somebody like, man, this chick, like what the fuck? 
Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with this girl? I, I hope because that's the only good thing that could come out of that. Right. Like, maybe I have some infamy. The Ghostbusters encounter between you and Bruce Campbell. She slimed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <this> is, <laughs> oh my, he's so loud. Oh my god. Yeah, we, we won't talk about that anymore. Actually, He'll I, say you again and say that's the one that got me. <laughs> I uh, um, I, want, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about like the in real life stuff that is so fucked up about this film, okay? Yeah. So, first off, I want to start out with, okay, this is some serial killer shit, all right? Um, you know, the yes. Gemini Killer was based on the Zodiac Killer, and why in the Gemini Killer was based on the Zodiac Killer is because the Zodiac Killer actually said about The Exorcist that it was the best satirical comedy that I have ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> so... Vladdy took that and made the Gemini Killer based on the Zodiac Killer. And also, and um, Joe Bob does talk about this on his episode, um, it was Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite yeah. film. Yeah. And he yes, do, like, Sh- showed it to the one man he tried to kill that when he got caught. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just, but he would show it to like a lot of his victims and do those little brain, oh, I can't. Drill into the Yeah, brain. yeah, his yeah. Apparently, the, this Exorcist 3 film and also Return of the Jedi were his favorite films, and he was yes. obsessed with them. He, had yeah, yellow, the he the bought Jedi. yellow contacts to look like the Emperor in Star Wars and uh, in the Exorcist 3. Yes. Yeah. 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 Isn't that fucked up? Like, so when you watch the movie, it's like, it just feels like so, you know, there's so much controversy, and there's so many, like, real-life things with the exorcist as well which they didn't go into enough in cursed films i think linda blair who is not very uh friendly um she kind of toned it down so the cursed films was really disappointing and that was the first episode and i was like what the fuck but the other episodes actually went there and talked about it but um but uh. this this film also feels cursed to me you know um there was a lot of tragedy with the actors themselves and also, we got a serial killer um, doing, you know, homemade lobotomies on victims, forcing them to watch this film because it's his favorite film. I'm like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Oh my lord! I just none of that is. Uh, I, gosh, wow, that sounded weird saying all the religious <coughs> stuff. <laughs> I mean, but I, I don't know what else to say. Like, so when I watched it, I just felt like, oh shit! Like, oh my god! Oh. And he was like, mm-hmm. what's he pouring in there in their brains? It was like boric, boric acid or something. Boric yeah. acid or something. Yeah, yeah. to make, make zombies. Yeah, not to make light of yeah. I don't want to make light of like what Jeffrey Dahmer yeah. did. But don't you think like if you're on a first date and you go back to somebody's apartment and this is the movie they're showing on your and first then, like, date, you'd be like, <laughs> this yeah. is like American Psycho. You'd be like. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> I'm a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. I'd be not like, to make light of. He had a thing for Vietnamese kids, so they probably didn't even understand what they were watching. Oh my god. Like true crime, and so I learned things. I avoid true crime because it triggers me. Um puts up with it because I talk about it. Yeah, he talks about so I learn things, but then I'm like, I have to stop now. I have to have a, a trigger button. Mm-hmm. 
Has any, has anybody seen uh the the Martin Lawrence stand up comedy You So Crazy? Oh, a uh, long, long time, time, ago. time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he talks about Jeffrey Dahmer in there, and he says uh like uh Jeffrey Dahmer pickup guys. He was like, you know, come back to my crib. I'm gonna give you some head. He didn't know. <laughs> They didn't know he meant that shit literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that joke was also in Get Out, wasn't it? That you know, yeah. There was some joke like that in Get Out yeah. where yeah. the TSA agent character <laughs> says, I'm like, they just thought they were going to give some head. They didn't know he was be like, cut enough or whatever, whatever that line was. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. No, another fun fact about the this goes back to the book Legion that the the movie Exodus Three is based on. Um, William Peter Blatty like sued the New York Times, um, unsuccessfully I will add because of its exclusion. And and New York Times uh, you know basically came back with which is true that they based their bestseller list not by numbers but by editor's choice. Mm. Which is fucked up, by the way. No. Fuck you guys. It is. Yeah. My book's never going to make it on there because they, they're not going to like what I have to say. But, you know, but he, he lost and he tried to take the Supreme Court and they, like, laughed him out of there. So he, he did not he did not win. No. But I, I think that's interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. Seems like a petty thing to sue over, though, honestly, in my opinion. You know, but, but, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, this is a lot of people who are very self-important that are involved in this film. William Peter Blatty yeah. took himself very oh, seriously. Oh, you think? Um, George <laughs> Scott took himself very seriously. Jason Miller took himself very seriously. We have so many big personalities, and they were all clashing. And, and it's just like, you know, yeah, William Peter Blatty kind of had, like, an inflated sense of self, for sure. Like, no. I mean, I think, like, if I lost the first case, I wouldn't try to go to the Supreme Court. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe let it go. Like, you wrote a book. People are going to read it. Obviously, just let it go, dude. What does this matter? What does this list matter? Fuck this list. If that's how they do it, fuck them. No. Fuck them, girl. Fuck what, about, uh, what about the thought that uh, John Carpenter almost directed this? Yeah. Oh, man. That yeah. would have been quite a spectacle. Like. What would that have even been like? Yeah, I could get yeah. behind it, Adam. <laughs> I think that would have been interesting, but Blatty, like I said, is very self-important, and he decided to do it himself. Carpenter actually backed out because Blatty, he could tell that Blatty wanted to do it himself. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he yeah, was going to have that, breathing down his neck the whole time, and I think he was like, When I read that bit of trivia, I could imagine John Carpenter looking through it, and like Blatty's behind him going, you know, right, like, like, who wants to do that? It's like, man, do you want to direct this fucking film or what? Yeah. Blatty's like riding him like a backpack. <laughs> just like, like Yoda on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blatty's, Blatty's the Yoda to his Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, 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 I can't imagine Carpenter in that situation. Like, no. You have a fuck that. But, but yeah. no. One, so Carpenter's a real take no shit kind of guy. Right. right. And, mm-hmm. and so. And so that makes me think. So, so all of the decisions that Morgan Creek made about including the exorcism and this, that, and the other. And, he did not like it. Do you, I, I don't think that if John Carpenter was the director, that that any of that would have would have panned out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, he would have been more pushed back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, he he had you know the push to be able to push. You know what I'm saying? He's John fucking Carpenter. And this is yeah. 1990. You got to think, like yeah, all this yeah, fucking classic, you know, like nah, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have happened. No. I mean, like by the by that point, though, like unfortunately, Carpenter was on the decline, you know, because yeah, he, uh, unfortunately, ever since the, the thing, 70s and 80s you know, were his peak. 
Yeah, ever since the thing, though, it was kind of like, you know, he had very few hits. Uh, which, they were, which, they which, lived which, good. Yeah, like, no, no, no. See, the thing with Carpenter is that his films never found their audience in their initial release, but they always found the audience later. later. Right. Yeah. But you could tell, you could tell annoys him. Like, people say, oh, my God, I love the thing. And he's like, where the fuck were you when it was Yeah, that's what he said. Where were you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where, where I needed it to be a box office hit and shit, you know <laughs> Like, and you guys fucking weren't there. You know, that's carpenter for you. That's why, like, you bring up his movies and shit. He's like, yeah, whatever. But you bring up basketball and wrestling. He's like, oh, yeah, let's talk. <laughs> he's like, fuck you guys. I mean, I, yeah. I he appreciates it, but, like, you know, that would have been helpful when it came out. You know right. what I mean? So. I, I believe that. So this is my chance to brag on you all. We need to do an In the, in the Mouth of Madness episode. Yes. Actually, it's scheduled. I didn't see it. That yeah, will be interesting. That document that I, I okay. think it's scheduled. Also, uh, a four-episode uh-huh. run of John Carpenter special. Kind of, we're doing four Carpenter movies back-to-back-to-back. All right, yeah, I guess I can take a closer look uh, at I, I, And maybe I Event Horizon, maybe. No, I'm kidding. I'm not... for that. I, lo- I love Sam Neill. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I think they would be great back-to-back. Back. So, you know, that may be on the schedule. I, I, I couldn't tell you. But uh... I, I, I could already see uh, the In the Mouth of Madness episode being the, the Rob and Erica show. Because I may have to throw in on that. Yeah. <laughs> right, because me and Erica have already gone back and forth a few times of our love for In the Mouth of Madness. I'm sorry about the balls. It was just a lucky shot. <laughs> <That's all laughs> we'll be fighting for supremacy on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> who, who loves the movie more? Who give it the highest rate? Yeah. <laughs> who, who, like, deconstructed it from a Calvinist theological standpoint? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe just their nipples really they watch it. Me. <laughs> we have some really amazing things coming up, like really, really amazing. And I can't really say everything. I can tell you what our next episode is. 100% certainty. It's not like anything's going to change, but I like to let people just, you know, wonder. Um, oh, yeah. What's the life you know, ahead of us? But, uh, yeah, next the next episode is gonna be my sort of birthday episode, and of course is gonna be Return of the Living Dead. So stay tuned for that one. That's gonna. Be- and I have a special performance from me on that one. So you guys can't make fun of me, <laughs> but I'm gonna do yeah. it. Yeah right. Yeah. Oh my God! Yes. It's my man. I gotta save my files. So we're gonna see if my acting chops still hold up because I'm gonna do a scene. Ooh, nice. And it's not gonna be on a, it's not gonna be on a crypt. Uh, no. Damn it. Your words, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> Job. <laughs> I want to interject something about this film that we're talking about today, real quick. If, oh, the grandma scene is on right now. We're only gonna watch this. Okay. So. On the ceiling. <laughs> oh, the, when uh, George C. Scott goes into the hospital room and all the cups of blood are yeah. on the tray. Oh, yeah. I just want to say. I just want to say how that scene fed my OCD. I like pause it. I'm like, look how even the, the blood yeah. is in each of those cups. Yeah. And it, it, it was like, OCD, it was like OCD porn for me. I'm like, Oh my God, yes. they're so, they're so perfectly even. 
Yeah. It was what they call I, satisfying now. Oh my god, I was I respect that totally. My son likes these like videos that are satisfying, like, that are very just even, neat little yeah. things. And then and then I'm like and then I'm like, dude, you're looking at cups of somebody's blood. The fuck is wrong with you? Like, I don't care. <laughs> and I don't it's care. not weird for us. It's not weird. <laughs> no, but what what makes that scene creepier is then when he he talks to the Kinderman talks to Gemini killer and he describes how he did it. How he yes. did it. You know, the, yes. Had to pick the legs up. Yeah, the, the inferior of being a kata or the superior of being a kata. It's a matter of taste, don't you think? You know, the way we talk about how you have to like, squeeze and pump right, squeeze and yeah, pump. It isn't like, perfect. Oh, There's a little blood. And then he just off comes the head without spilling a single drop. Now, that's what I call showmanship. showmanship. <laughs> yeah, I can hear his voice. Like, and that's Brad Dorse. Like Brad Dorse delivery. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. It, it, it's, all, know, it's all his delivery. Yeah. It's all his delivery. To, his to voice tell, is the, the best special effect of the entire movie. Yeah, yeah to, to, to delve back to that serial killer part there, like, that scene kind of speaks to me a little bit, having read a lot of true crime, that uh, you'd question how could someone get away with a crime like that in a real world setting? You'd be amazed. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. you, 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 read yeah. What hap- you read what happens in prisons. Where there is 24/7 surveillance, but they're still able to get away with that in their own cells. Like, you could absolutely see someone. Someone could do that in a hospital room. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I. Uh, it, it's funny you say that because I, I think back to you know the way he describes how he does that and he talks about it, and I think back to like YouTube on YouTube. I've watched interviews of uh, like Ed Kemper, and he talks about like how he you know decapitated his mom and. And, you know, what he did with her and, and he took out like her vocal cords and put them in the garbage disposal and this and the other. Yeah. And he talks about it so matter of factly, <sighs> you know, and it and it it really harkens back. And I wonder if maybe, you know, when he wrote that, if he, you know, had access to interviews or whatever from these, you know, real life serial killers. Well, I mean, it's clear that this is not I mean, it is classified as a horror film. I think part of it is the exorcist name. But also, um, you know, that's I, I don't think everybody knew where to file it in the video store, so they threw it in the horror. But to me, it's more of like a, a thriller. Yeah, well, I don't even think like he, a like a seven. He didn't even. Whatever. I kept thinking of I kept thinking of David Fincher seven. Yeah, you mentioned seven. Yeah. That's that, seven, that's yeah. my take, mind kept going back. Take, to take out the exorcism scene. Take out the dream sequence scene. Slap every name on it, and you've got a psychological horror. Yeah, he didn't even want to name it The Exorcist. He no. just wanted to name it Legion. Legion. Yeah, and that's they it. They made him name you it. Know, thanks to Morgan Creek again. Morgan Creek really yeah. fucked him. I gotta say. Yeah, that, that, that guy. Wanted, I forget. I forget his name, but he's a fucking scumbag. Yeah. Uh, there was the head of Morgan Creek. He's just fucking asshole. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Yeah, who you are? We don't care. We'll fuck you. Yeah. You don't fuck yourself, bro. <laughs> but I, I actually think like what was originally planned would have been really great and um it still fits in because it, it you know kinderman's in there dyer's in there you know it fits in with the whole storyline but you know throwing just a random exorcism in there it, it didn't i didn't like it it was a stupid scene that's where they spent all the budget yeah. um it was very expensive and i mean yeah. it's just like it's really it, t- it takes away from the whole tone no, it, it just it seems slapped on. Yeah, and, right. and, yeah like it. I like I like it, like what, what you notice firsthand is like you know the film is like 
is more like psychological and it's like you know really cerebral and then you get to the sequence and it's all gory and bloody and it's just like where the fuck did this come from yeah this yeah. does you not know? fit the tone whatsoever yeah and don't it's, get jarring. Me it's jarring like yeah. blood and guts yeah. but you know in its right place no this is yeah, it's yeah. Not here the the actual ending was you know uh the gemini killer became a killer um to shame his father Mm-hmm. who was um um clergyman yeah and um you know as like um he willed himself to die when his father died and blah blah or they were going to also do one where uh kenderman just shoots him mm-hmm. i yeah. think either one of those would have been fantastic like yeah, really yeah. didn't need to throw an exorcism in there because like really that's it it, it just seemed cheap it seemed stupid right Kinderman like, shooting him was like actually the the director's cut in the director's yeah. yeah. I and heard that. I haven't seen it. I've not seen a director's cut, but I do know what is in it. Um, but I just I picture it and I'm like that would have been really good. It is better, yeah. <laughs> Except for the the shitty quality quality of the footage that was available when they put the director's cut together. There's yeah. also dailies and VHS quality footage. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Murray Creek actually did not have the prints anymore. Right. So they had all to they pull have it from VHS. other places. Yeah. yeah. All they had was the VHS footage of it. And mm. that's all they had. Um, you know, sort of like with Savini, with his book that just came out, um, Nailing Dead 90, the version you've never seen. If you watch the film, and, and, and Savini said this himself in a, in a recent interview um, when he was promoting the book, you watch the film, you look through there, you see his storyboards that he he talks so sensibly about. Um, and then we did talk about that in the episode. Um, but if you pair those together, you get the, the full what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And because he's long been angry and ashamed of that film, mad, not really ashamed. Tom Savini's got way too much pride, but <laughs> he's been just angry about it. He's an angry guy. He's an angry little guy. He's a little guy. Um, <laughs> he reminds me of my stepdad a lot. Um, but you know, he's a tough guy, but, uh, you know, it, I think he's embracing it now. Um, there's sort of a revival. It honestly, of our podcast and our podcast is, it's surprising to me to this day that we have wonderful listeners that keep tuning in because I'm just like, we are just bumbling through, but that is our most listened to episode to this day. We still get more and more and more listens. So thank you, everybody, for recognizing that. Sorry to segue. But it does sort of pertain because here's somebody's artistic vision that got shattered as well. And, and it's sad when you when you see what could have been or you know what could have been. And it's like, oh, dude, that would have been so sick. That would have been awesome. And, yeah, the exorcism scene is really, like, my biggest complaint. It just, it just you know, they, they threw all the money on Wished. those effects. And we didn't really have any like much contact with the priest who does the exorcism you just kind of see him yeah, and then he's there and it's like and then you see all this stuff and it's like this doesn't matter no like, one what cares the hell? why is he even here right yeah just because they just inserted it's, it in just odd yeah although i gotta admit i do like george c scott's monologue during that scene i believe yeah in i believe in you like that whole yeah. monologue is cool but other than that i don't really care for this scene. Well, Scott is great at monologues. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I just watched Patton when she got an Academy Award for. Like, no. I got ice in my mouth. But, um, right, right, right. The, the, full, the full monologue, if I may. This I believe in. I believe in death. I believe in disease. I believe in injustice and in humanity. 
torture, anger, and hate. I believe in murder. I believe in pain. I believe in cruelty and infidelity. I believe in slime and stink and every crawling putrid thing. Every possible ugliness and corruption, you son of a bitch, I believe in you. That's the full. And you get that, and when, and when George C. Scott's saying it, you got that George C. Scott energy. Yeah. Right, right. I, I, I didn't try because I know I couldn't. No, no, but I mean, it was still really good. But I mean, but like, you know, when he's doing it, I mean, you just got like this fucking like building, yeah. you know, and it's, it, it's very effective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love how he just randomly screams certain lines throughout the whole movie. Oh yeah, that's what he does. Oh yeah, he does it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. My my favorite. It is not in the file. It is not. not. <laughs> You're just like okay. Oh, oh yeah, like the the, the, the the hospital scene with him and uh father died. You make everybody nervous. Yeah. The, the, no, that's not true. Everybody, are you guys in here fine? We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> The but interplay yeah, between Elijah him and that nurse. Random words out. He's <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I want to give honorable mention to uh, Nancy Fisher plays Nurse Allerton and the interplay ah! she has with George yeah. C. Scott. Her character, I love her in anything she's in. She's got that face. But her, her interaction with George C. Scott is probably the closest thing this film delves into comedy. Their, their interactions are hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Her face and his face, they both have these faces and uh, yeah. I just wanted to mention how much I loved her in this. No, no, no she's great. She's great. With uh, after he 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 backhands uh, the Gemini killer. Right. Yeah, His goddamn nose is broken. <laughs> right. Then he she's talking. He says, "You're very kind." She's like, "I'm a bitch." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I love it. Uh, like, I mean, I was great. saying that. I was. I, I remember I was saying that because we. I remember we were talking about earlier how serious this film is, but there's. Great moments of humor, especially between like uh, Kinderman and the nurse, and Kinderman and Father Dyer. Like especially in that hospital scene where he's like, uh, you know, it's it's the nerves. It, uh, I get that from my brother Eddie. Brother Eddie died when he was thirty. Yeah, he was killed in Vietnam. There might be a connection, you know, which is right. <laughs> which is which is which is pure bladdy humor. Like, yeah, like yeah, that's just bladdy, you know, one hundred percent. Well, the whole thing about the fish in the bathtub. Someone needs to explain that to me. So, uh, so, <laughs> that oh, boy. Talk about that in the Exorcist book, the first book. It, it's in yeah. there, too. Yeah. And it is in Legion as well. And I, I the interviewer in this um, the Shout Factory special edition Blu-ray asked him about that. He's like, is that based on a true story? He's like, yes, it is. And I can't remember who you know who originated the story but yeah it, it is a real story so the, the carp swimming around in the bathtub is a real thing that happened to someone but blighty doesn't didn't know who it was at that point right. it's like uh it's, uh as you, i can't standing, go home right you're standing real close to me can you smell it have yeah. a bath in three days <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't go home. Smell, damn it. And see, and that was where, you know, I, I'm going, like, I think George C. Scott did a wonderful performance. He's a wonderful actor. Like, he's really good. Great words, too. And, and I'm not, like, trying to, you know, downplay that whatsoever. I just like Lee J. Cobb's interpretation of Kinderman because Kinderman wasn't, like, an angry guy. He was a yeah. funny guy. He was odd. He was quirky. He was kind of, you know, just. Lee J. Cobb just pulled that off so well, 
And George C. Scott did like a different interpretation. It works for the film, but it's right. kind of like it, it feels like a different character almost because right. yeah, of the way that it's played. That's why I wanted to bring up Ninth Configuration because if you watch Ninth Configuration uh, in conjunction with this, you will see that's just Blatty style because Stacy <laughs> Keach is is uh, like the, the the main protagonist, uh, if you will, of uh, the Ninth Configuration, and he kind of plays it the same way. Like, you know, where it's just like he's like, you know, very calm in most moments and then he's has these violent outbursts in other moments in the movie. So it's like, well, you know, it looks like this is Blatty's thing. He just like those moments where it's just like, you know, the actor is like calm one second and then he's just violent. There's a scene where he makes the 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 like, you know, the the I guess the the hands of the, the insane asylum wear Nazi uniforms. And one of them wants to take it off. And he was like, what is wrong with you, man? You're going to wear it, eat it, sleep in it, live in it, try to take it off. You'll die in it. Is that clear? And he's just like, (sighs) and the guy's just like, like, just like petrified. And he backs out kind of like Homer Simpson in the Bush episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like yeah, like if if you watch Ninth Configuration, then this you 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 kind of understand like why George C. Scott played it the way he did. And it's like it's, this is obviously Blatty's thing, you know. Blatty like yeah, I mean, because I guess in The Exorcist, you know, which he he wrote the screenplay for the film, um, yes. you know, um, Karis was the one, Father Karis was the one who had the outbursts of anger, you know, especially there at the end. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, you know, just starts like beating her up, and I'm like, it's still a little girl, stop it. <laughs> you know, it's like, come in to me, you bastard. You know, it's like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> all right then. I, I, yeah, but I think freaking just like had a more like like direct vision, you know, separated from like you know they work closely in conjunction with each other, but freaking like you know like freaking is a, is a masterful director, so oh, he, absolutely. Even though, even though he he's a bit of a prick himself, William Freak. Yes. Although, like, yes. Uh, although at, at certain at certain uh, moments that he's he's a good bit of a prick, like when he gives uh, the business to Nicholas Mining Refn, uh, when they did an interview together, like uh, I, I'll send you the link, but it's amazing how he he basically takes Nicholas Mining Refn down a notch. But uh, like uh, freaking, like you know, he he's more of like uh, an he accomplished was extreme, director. like the shit that he did to them, like yes. okay, oh, yeah. when yes. he um, shot out the gun next to Jason Miller before he yes. did a scene to get a reaction. Yeah, that, so yeah. mad he was like, "I'm an actor. I don't need you to do that." Or oh, he oh, slapped the guy, the the actual priest that played Father Guy. Bam! Yeah, slapped him across the face to get that, you know. And the reason he's shaking is because he's still yeah, with yeah. yeah, he's so pissed off. That's why he's shaking. And like, he also like ruined Ellen Burson's back. Yes. Also, and, and, um, yeah. also Linda Blair's because the, yeah. the this wasn't correct. But that's a whole different conversation that we may have in the future. Yeah, I did not meet Linda Blair. I did meet Eileen Deeds, who was the the body double for the yeah. the girl in those scenes. Um, I met her at the most depressing as fuck uh, convention I've ever been to. It was uh, December of 2015. Sounded like a great event. Um, it, it was like Twisted Tales. So it was like a fundraiser for animal welfare. Tales, T-A-I-L-S. So, yeah, Linda Blair's a huge animal activist. In, in uh, Dallas, I think. So, yes, she is. 
um, I mean, great concept, great uh, guess. That was another one that my friend Andrew Devoff was at. There were a lot of other cool people. Uh, fucking no one showed up. That was like the big problem. And the part of that was because of Corey Feldman. No. Mm. Um, uh, well, Corey, basically, he put these stipulations in at the last minute, like, I cannot share a van with any of these other celebrity guests. I cannot be in the same room with them. I have to have an escape uh, route that's separate from where the fans come in, you know, to meet me. So they they were originally going to have all the celebrity guests in the same theater where they screened all the films because it was a dual film festival and uh, celebrity, you know, meet and greet kind of thing and like a normal horror convention. Uh, originally they were all supposed to be in the same building, which was the Angelica um, film theater in Dallas. But because of Feldman, they uh, put every, they, they moved all of the guests, not just Feldman, but everyone else to, you know, kind of accommodate him into the hotel. So people who went to the movies are like, huh, there are no celebrity guests here, but we're here for the movies. We're not here for the meet and greet stuff or for the autographs. So no one fucking went to meet the celebrity guests. Uh ridiculous disaster it was stupid but uh and then like yeah by the last day like the guests were so depressed i was depressed everyone was depressed like ugh. people were like crying it was like <laughs> wow <laughs> i mean some of the celebrity guests were crying not just me i like that came later that came after i went back to my room but yeah you mean you spent money to do it uh, to go there when you got carried back to your room, right? Yeah, I managed to walk there of my own volition. Thank you. But cheers to that. Like, it's, it's, it's funny that the second she mentioned Corey Feldman, it's like, oh, this is a oh, we were like, uh, yeah. This is about to be a clusterfuck. Uh, you know? He's, he's an odd duck. So- he, he's not duck, for real. Yeah, so anyway, so like going back to Eileen D, so I mean, she, she told all these like kind of horror stories about doing that part. But then, you know, she felt really fucked over because they didn't recognize her as the body double for that role. Yeah. yeah. The press was like, Oh wow. It's so controversial. They have this, this minor, this child doing these scenes where there's a crucifix in her twat, you know, whatever. Yeah. It wasn't Linda Blair masturbating with the crucifix or, or self raping with the crucifix. That was Eileen Deeds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they were to have, you know, Linda Blair doing that. Yeah, so I mean, it was who did all those extreme scenes in that original film, like yeah. the, the crucifix scene and those other scenes that were very physically abusive and difficult. So, but I mean, I know it, it probably played well uh, for the media to say, oh, you know, this child did these controversial scenes. Well, yeah, they, were, they really. were definitely cashing in the controversy. Yeah. Real. It, it, right. it creates it. cash. Exactly. So, but yeah, that was uh, it's totally off topic, but that convention went so weird. Like by the last day, like, like all these celebrity guests, it was almost a pre me too, me too thing. Like where different celebrity guests were talking about times when directors sexually exploited them and that they were assaulted on the sets of films and Goodness. crying about it. And they were sharing these stories. And I'm like, Oh my God! This is like the most depressing convention I've ever been to in my life. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> whole whole other topic there. So 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds I like. like my whole thing I, I would have been depressed too. Yeah. Like ruin every fucking episode I'm in with like yeah, and then I met this person and here's this weird this shit. Happened. <laughs> right, right, right. She had to she had to make up for her Brad Dourif experience because you know <laughs> yeah. Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif, her experience with Brad Dourif was so nice, she just had to follow him with the you know. <laughs> <laughs> equal but opposite reaction. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, okay, we're going to take this wholesome story, and now I'm going to add something depressing to, like, my follow-up story. <laughs> right, right. It's just like, yeah, my job is the one to add something, like, completely silly to it. That, like, we all have jobs here. She mentioned I have a Brad Dourif story, and I was like, "Oh no!" And then she was like, "Brad Dourif, nice." And I'm like, "Oh, thank God!" But I have this other terrible story to tell about a convention. Yeah, it was very like, like, oh. like, no, you can't do this to me. I need this. Okay, this is so important. Please tell us how uh, Linda Blair was difficult because. Unless oh, she's going to beat all of us off to not tell this story, you know, like, just go ahead and tell it, is my opinion. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we came in close contact with Linda Blair, but we, like, noped out of it because she was really unfriendly to her mm-hmm. fans. She yeah. did not want to talk about her horror films, which she, you know, did quite a few. Um, yeah. She wanted to talk about her animal activism, which is great. I love animals, okay? That is wonderful. But you're at a horror convention. People want to see you for horror. Like, don't be a bitch. She's she's yeah. kind of a bitch. I'm sorry. So I was like, nope, nope, nope. I don't need to be treated like shit. I'm not going to pay you to talk to me like I'm a piece of shit because I like horror okay. movies. Right. Thanks. I love animals, too, but you don't got to be a bitch about it. Damn. Right. And I mean, I've known so many actors who had these pet charities that they really love. And like... Uh-huh. But they were totally gracious about it. They can still talk to their fans about movies that the fans love. And, and then they have, they, you know, their table full of things and, and information. They can bring it up, you know. Exactly. Some people are going to... By the way, I'm doing this fundraiser for XYZ Charity. And, yeah, and the fans are most likely going to be like, oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. But if you treat them like shit, they're going to be like, hmm. You're not really doing yourself or your charity any good. By, by treating your fans that way. And I love I love the, the, the celebrities that I have met that are just so gracious. Um, you know, I, I haven't really had any bad experiences. I noped out of the Linda Blair one because I saw that yeah. that was going to be bad. Yeah. I was like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> but see, so you look right. like, like Linnea Quigley. Like, she's really big into, you know, animal activism and yes, stuff. Yes, she is. But she, she is to the- all day about horror, mm-hmm. you know. Does she know? Embraces it. Yeah. Yeah, and she knows that's what people love her for and know her for. And she yeah, she has someone that she embraces it, you know, and she she just has a sense of humor and but you know, she still can be like, Hey, and by the way, this is a really important charity to me. Like you'll see her post on Twitter about her, you know, animal activism and you know, and but she still is like, Hey, I'm I'm still this and and this money, you know, if you buy this, it's gonna go towards this charity and, and that's you know what's happening here. So, you know, I, I'm just lucky I haven't had a, a bad experience. Um, with as many times as we met Tom Savini and all the bad the first time that I went to meet him, I had heard so many bad things that I was shaking. I was shaking. I was like, Oh god, I I don't think I can take it if he's rude to me. I'm gonna cry. I'm going to cry. So I was like going towards the table, back it up. Don't go towards the table, back it up. I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? What do I do? And he was he was fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect gentleman. 
very every time I've met him, he's he's very nice. Yeah. Um, he loves his fans. He's just you, you just got to understand his personality. And after you meet somebody a couple times and you've done pictures and chatted with them, you you kind of understand them a little bit better. You know how they interact with their fans. But yeah, he's definitely not a fucking hater. I, you know, I guess I was scared away from Tom Sabini for those same reasons because I, I have friends who had kind of negative encounters with him, so I was like, "Eh," you know, I, he's not at the top of my list to spend money on autographs, whatever. But he, he really does love his fans and he Mm -hmm. takes his work seriously. But he's a funny guy Mm -hmm. and he does have a wicked sense of humor and he's, but he's just one of those little tough guys. And he's kind of gruff. That's just his personality. But he's not rude and he's not mean and he's not disrespectful. He does love his fans and he's, you know, there with a big smile on his face and all the pictures with us. And, you know, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, sometimes you got to find out for yourself. But then other times, like, maybe when you hear a story, like, I I should probably avoid that one. I'm just saying, like, you know, don't be like me. Like, I was so terrified, but I had to do it. I was just, like, terrified. I'd be, like, psyched myself up and it was totally fine, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of, you know, like Robert Kurtzman, you know, was a little that way. I mean, he wasn't mean, but he kind of reminded me a little bit of my dad. Like, my dad's an electrical engineer. He worked, like, fixing nuclear power plants for, like, 40 years. So it's like, you know, a lot of engineer-type guys and tech guys are a little more introverted, and they're not as outgoing when you first meet them. Yeah. yeah. They're rude. They're just, like, not... It's Super just the, their persona, and you know, you got to think that that Sam is a, a vet from Vietnam, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, he he's just a tough guy, you know. Yeah. And if you go into it knowing that that he's just like one of those like tough guy guys, um, but underneath, like he he's just a funny, big hard guy. Right, yeah. right. Like if you if you have a chance to talk a little bit, they'll usually open up and they'll, See, they'll be friendlier and. Have- stories and right with so many people spreading the bad word about Tom Savini we never have to wait in a line his people people yeah. avoid him like the fucking plague so I can walk right up to him I'm just like ah, well, you know every we, time when we were at Horror Hound I, I was standing outside he's of the, almost there every year I was standing outside of the bathrooms Candy was in the bathroom and Tom Savini just you know casually walks down the hallway and the dude, this this dude, I'd never talked to him before. He's standing across from me. Probably he, wait on his wife. <laughs> he just he just looks at me and goes, "Was that Tom Savini?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it was." And he was like, "Holy shit!" You know. But then we go and, and so I mean, everybody knows him. Everybody knows who Tom Savini is. And Mask Fest is a big part of Horror Hound. And so, like I said, but, he's but here it, almost every year. Every time we go, there's like practically nobody at his table. Nobody at his table. He's just sitting there twiddling his thumbs. And we go up. <laughs> Because I mean I can't contain myself. I turn into a little girl. No. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, I meet you every time, but I'm like still like really excited about it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so great, and like can you sign this, please? Stay. Let's do a picture. Like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Okay. So. <laughs> did he- I was kind of like that. I was kind of like that when I met the director James Glickenhaus at a mm-hmm. screening of uh, the, the Exterminator. I, I put my hand on him for no fucking reason. He was real cool about it, but like, why the fuck did I touch him? Like, I don't know. Like, like here, here's here's a picture with me and him. Yeah. Right, and I'm like, why the fuck did I? But he was cool about it. Like, I didn't realize I was putting my hand on two hundred million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Because he's really fucking wealthy. I posted in chat. Um, our first picture was Savini. And I and if you see, he's in the back. Sean is in the background. I got so excited for that fucking picture that I shoved him out of the way and just 
flung to Tom Savini. If you see that, that I'm like and all over him, and Sean's in the back are going. I look like I'm photobombing. Yeah, like, he does. Like, 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 I shoved my husband right. out of the picture so I could like cling <laughs> to him. But then, but then a couple years later, we we meet Tony Todd, and oh, we get, oh my god, and we oh, get our photo with him. Guy. And if you and if you look at the photo, Candy's like, you know, she's kind of like, you know, air hugging him, you know, kind of from a distance. And I am like squeezed up on him, like my head like practically on his fucking shoulder. Tony Todd, he, he's so courtly and and gentlemanly yeah. that I was just kind of like. Uh, I don't know how to act. Yeah. I was like kind of like in awe of him, and it was yeah. the same way with um, Ken Furry. Uh, Ken Furry as well. Uh, big tall guy, also, you know, gentleman. You know, <laughs> yeah. so I get kind of like freaked out a little bit. Uh, Robert England, you can see on my face, like I'm really excited, but he was just—he was like almost like a romantic figure, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Robert what England. What a great guy. He was one of those people I, I really wanted to meet. And then I, I saw his prices for autographs. And when I met him, it was a Texas Frightmare weekend. And if you've been to that place, it's like this kind of cattle, um, you know, like they're they're pushing cattle through a line to the slaughterhouse. Like you don't really get to really talk to the guests that Apps long. comparison. Right, right. Uh, like, Nico, so it's like uh, considering the the price per autograph, and then even they wouldn't even even do selfies. You had to do the professional photo op with him, which was like another two hundred. Yeah, we did a lot of ours are, are professional photo ops, and we also we, we did that with Tony Todd as well, with Bruce Campbell, with um, Robert England, and we did do some selfies with some people that you know um, they weren't doing like the big photo ops, but mm-hmm. I, I, I do like the professional ones. But then you go back to your line and you're like, hey, sign this. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, we just took a picture with you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. yeah. Like I, right. I only a like I think the only person I did the, the professional photo op with it that Texas Frightmare Weekend was Lance Henriksen. So I had oh, a huge crush okay. on him like <laughs> since the 90s. Yeah, uh, and tell him that. But when he leaned in and said, "You're very beautiful," I felt I felt very validated. Really, uh, <laughs> Zane would have said that to me. I probably would have had a heart attack. I was trying to walk over to get the picture with him, and my knees were weak. Yeah, That's never happened. I couldn't walk. I was walking like, real slow. Like if I fall down, I'm gonna die. And he he smelled so good. And I'm just like, and I'm the look on my face in that picture is just like. Yeah, I thought I was gonna have to beat his ass. I mean, yeah, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> oh my god, like, I'm gonna have to beat Billy Zane's ass right here. It's a walk off. It's a walk off. <laughs> Erica, I think if 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 uh, Lance Henriksen ever told me that, I would probably have the same reaction. Like, oh, Lex Henriksen. Yeah, yeah, baby. With yeah. that voice, oh my god, Lance Henriksen. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh. <laughs> and telling me beautiful. He's like, hey, beautiful. Let's do another picture. It was kind of glaring off her glasses. He was very nice to my daughter, who was 15 at the time, and we did the picture with me. He's like, "Hey, beautiful, let's do another picture," because I, you know, there was a glare. Let's do. I'm like, okay. I'm just like, oh, you call me pretty. <laughs> Sh- um, sh- shall we get back to the movie? Oh, okay. sorry. Well, yeah. Before <laughs> sorry, we- sorry, Daniel. Sorry, Daniel. Sorry. Before we, get- before we get off topic. Um, <laughs> Again. Do-, do we want to talk about dicks? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Bert, Bert Ward, you know, he kind of just, uh, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, Bert Ward, uh, fucking, uh, uh, uh Dick, Dick Grayson, Robin, 
Yeah. No, legendary. His dick was so legendary, Adam West was fucking jealous of it. <laughs> oh, you're treating him like two pairs of tights to like put down the bulge. Yeah, I'm jealous. You're getting all the pussy reward. <laughs> fuck you. Robin, like, who wants to fuck Robin? I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, if you let Burt Ward tell it, it's you. All the girls want to fuck him. <laughs> yeah, but I heard like a lot of that's um, Burt Ward being on Burt Ward. You know what I'm saying? All I'm gonna say is, all, all I'm gonna say is Chris Evans. <laughs> I didn't look. I, I don't want to look at penises. I don't know. I, I was, really I, either, but so I was. I'm serious about it. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they do. I was impressed by the opening of the World Trade Center, but Chris Evans, Jesus. <laughs> He's like, now oh that I have your attention, God. please do. It's like yeah, a combination. No. Always go really queer or really asexual or some combination of the two. It's <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, me, and, me and Di, as of course you know, Di, my roommate, um, we were at Sonic, and I was went on Twitter, and Chris Evans was, was trending on Twitter, and uh, I was like, oh, so... Chris Evans got a got a dick pic out. Like he, I guess he accidentally leaked his dick pic and and dies just like I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if you find it. Find it for me. So yeah, like here celebrity dick events. Right. So so here I am doing her the favor, he like does. here I am, you know what I'm saying? And I'm showing her, like, look, there it is, and she's just like mesmerized for like five minutes, like wow. I have yet to see a penis where I'm like, hmm. I like look at that. Let me study this dick. That's America's dick right there. <laughs> let me let me tell you. Use it for good to get people to vote. I'm just saying. Yeah, that that is America's cock. Look at my dick. Hey, vote. <laughs> Effective. Let me, let me, I guess. That's why. That's why I was telling you that Die is like the complete opposite. Like Die just like she loves the look of the dicks. You know what I'm saying? Oh my she god, that's Like she'll tell me, oh my god, they got a picture of Orlando Bloom's dick when he was out looking. I'm like, this was years ago. Then she's like, go look it up right now. So I'm looking up on my phone. I'm like, mom, oh god, mom. Why do you want to? It is me just being, you know, part of the queer community. Like, I don't really want to look at this. And then, and that takes me back to like when they had the paparazzi snap that shot of like Britney Spears, you know, vagina. Looks she, like Arby's. And, and it's like, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Look how like Daniel's about to eye roll himself. All right, Daniel's like, and Daniel's checked out his conversation. You, you people are <laughs> sick. <laughs> Most of us are not into it either, but we're getting. I'm not. Because we're that. Oh, you're not into it. I can totally tell the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not oh, we're not into it. We just inevitably want to talk about dicks. Oh, yeah, we're not into it. Oh, no, no, no. We forgot to tell Daniel earmuffs. Oh, it was... Right, right, right. Protect your virgin ears, Daniel. Protect your virgin ears. I'm sorry. What? I'm, I'm, I'm channeling George C. Scott here. <laughs> There is no file. Now I want some no <laughs> Who wants Arby's? Now I want some yeah, Arby's okay, now. I think it is time to effectively do our reviews. Um, who wants to start this out? <laughs> no, let's talk. Let's talk about Dick's. I think we're enjoying. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna laugh give... it up, laugh it up, get it out, get it out. I'm gonna give Chris Evan a nine out of ten. <laughs> Gross. Uh, 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 I saw this this stupid meme on Facebook. It's like 
your vagina is the name of whatever TV show you last watched. I'm like, eh, it was Lovecraft Country. <laughs> you know, and, and that's funny because of what I just said in chat the other day, but it's yes. like, vaginas are Lovecraftian. Yes, I thought. Well, he was a prude. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I disagree. Like, I have a, a, a real love for the vagina. You well, know. you know what? Forgive me for getting like really off topic. There are women that do. Super off topic, but yeah. Right. The way it looks, the way it smells, the way it tastes, you know, God has left the chat. Wow. Police welfare check for Daniel. Come back, Daniel. Sorry, come back. I'm sorry. We're come sorry. Back. We're going to do ratings now and not on any genitalia. It, it, it's like the movie we watched has no nudity in it. What's <laughs> we're talking about this. Are you, are you done? Well, God has re-entered the chat. Okay, um, Daniel, how about you give us our rating on Exorcist 3 yes. out of 10. Defend it any way you want. I'm going to give. I'm going to give it a solid. Uh, I would say seven out of ten. Okay. You know, it, it's not terrible, but I've got definitely mixed feelings. Like I said earlier, if you drop the supernatural elements, this would be a brilliant yeah. psychological horror film. Exactly, and that's how it should have been. Definitely. But the, there, there was just so much that was so awkwardly wedged in there that it's hard to give it a perfect rating. Yeah, yeah. If it would have been the movie it was supposed to be, I, I would definitely, uh, yeah. And, and and George C. Scott should have done more horror. However big of a jerk he may have been in life, he was a good actor. Have you seen and, The Changeling? Yes, I've seen The Changeling. Yeah, that was good. And, and unrelated note here, I remember him best as the voice of the villain from the cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue drug special. He's <laughs> <laughs> also great at Firestarter. He was, one of my good point. He, he was phenomenal yeah. far starter. I hadn't even thought uh, about that movie in like I so forgot long. about that. Yeah, but like he does, it's, uh, he does yeah. that kill with his with the back of his hand, he does that kill that yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Firestarter so much. I haven't even thought about it, but yeah, it's good. Firestarter. Okay, um who's up to bat? Me, I guess. Okay. I'm gonna give it eight out of ten. Yeah, like I'm not really one to give a perfect 10 out of 10 score to yeah. much of anything, but I'm detracting points because of the random exorcism scene near the end. Yeah. They don't develop the character Father Morning. They don't explain why no. he shows up to do an exorcism. It's just super random and bullshitty. Like he's just That's there. That's why I'm taking two points off of that. Yeah. But the reason why it's like eight out of 10 as opposed to six or seven out of 10 is because. Uh, the gr- the other great actors in this, and also I think Brad Dourif is the best special effect in this entire movie, just because oh, of sure. his weird oh, uh, monologues, his delivery of the lines, um, the fact that he simultaneously cries and also expresses relish of you know the, that character's crimes at the same time. That's why I'll give it eight out of ten, as opposed yes, to yes. that was so great. Absolutely. All right, Rob. Uh, I gotta give it a nine out of ten. Um, Good for you! Wow. Like, 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 like Erica said, I, I, I take a point off for the the 
inclusion of the exorcism scene. Um, it, it really just out of place, but I will say I won't take as much off because even for it being just like, where did this come from? It's still well done sequence. It's just like, where did this come from? Um, and uh, I also like, like she said, like the cast is amazing. I also wanted to like, if I may briefly just give a big up to somebody who we didn't talk about, Scott Wilson, who plays the doctor. Yeah, yes, um, that's right. yes, Scott, yes. Scott, Scott Wilson also played Cutshaw in the ninth configuration. And he was amazing that, and he was amazing in this, and he was an amazing actor. Yes. And uh, fortunate he's a, he has since passed away. Of course, he was on. Uh, he, he's most well known uh, for the The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, he was a great character. Yeah, yeah, he was. He's an amazing actor. Everybody was amazing in this movie. I think the the the, the actors, the the acting, is probably is the the best um, portion of this. You know, as far as William Blatty's script and his direction however you may look at it. But uh, the acting is really what you remember most, especially Brad Dourif's performance. Uh, Brad Dourif just deserved all the fucking Oscars, like you said, Candy, for Thank this. Thank you, yes. He, he deserved all the Oscars, and it's a shame that the Academy just treats, like, you know, horror like a bastard child. And, yeah. I cannot say enough good things about this movie. I love it so much. And, uh, yeah, 9 out of 10 for me. Oh, awesome score. Okay, um, Dave? I'll give it uh, eight bathtub carp out of ten. It seems like a lot of the movies we talk about are like almost movies. It's almost great, but this is a case, and we talked about the 1990 uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead. It's a case of a lesser-known director being pushed around by the studio, where we were saying if, it, if he had been a a more well-known director perhaps could have thrown his weight around more and gotten the cut that he wanted, William Blatty. Right. Uh, and he, and you can tell he's, I mean, he's directing his ass off in this movie. This movie's very stylistic, oh. very, you can tell he's really bringing it, um, but it's just a case of he only had what one, under, one other directorial credit to his name, and so the studio just pushed him around where it had been a better-known director could have gotten the cut he wants. It's one of those almost, it's just almost great. Almost great, and I and I'm sorry uh, that we didn't get the film that we could have gotten. Right, totally. Yeah, Yeah. but we know it could have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten, and I'm gonna make this short and sweet because you guys pretty much said everything that that I feel. Yeah. Um, The exorcism scene. um, You know, I would have loved to see this as a mystery. You know, instead of a, a horror movie. Um, and yeah, thriller. And and Brad. More like seven. And Brad Dorf is fucking amazing. So. Um, is that me? Yeah. Okay. You. I'm going to give it a really obscure thing. I'm going to give it eight out of ten lemon drops. Because <laughs> you're addicted. I'm going to get that. Oh, okay. Um. And, and and it's for the same reasons that everyone else has stated. Uh, Brad Dourif steals the show, and that's hard to do with all this phenomenal acting, uh, great casting. I I, I really um, yeah. I, I I watching it as an adult, I had a different impression than I did. I hadn't watched it since I was a kid. So the the first time I rewatched it was when I was watching The Last Drive-In, and I was like, wait a minute, this is totally different. It's different when you're older 
you know, so I got more out of the film um, as an adult. As a kid, it was just like I was waiting for like some extra shit. And then I was disappointed. But yeah, and that is disappointing. So yeah, for the same reasons, that's why it's only an eight. Uh, so much potential. And, and the rest of it was was great when you take out the, the silly parts, like the exorcism and like the dream sequence. I really am not a fan. No. So oh, yeah. yeah. We actually rated this much higher than I was expected because, you know, when you go to like your professional rating things like Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and shit like that, it's not rated super high. It's about an average of a six, six and a half. Right. right. Uh, who was who the highest again? Was it me, the highest? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which, is, which is weird. We're like, uh, lately, close. I've been We're pretty close. Yeah. Lately, I've been rating things the highest, and I'm usually known what for rating things the lowest. I am the holdout. Uh, yeah, like, like, what the fuck, man? I'm off my game. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you, I'm somebody, usually the. Where's Rob? Uh, are you a clone? Did someone clone you? I'm the clone. The same memories. I'm the clone. <laughs> I'm not the clone. You're the clone. Honestly, yeah, I'm really impressed with everyone's ratings. I'm so glad because this film deserves much more credit than people give it. Um, yes. It's definitely worth like digging into. A little bit of the behind the scenes, uh, finding out about like you know the original vision, learning about you know William Peter Blatty's uh, writing. Yeah, you read know, the book. Read the book, like in the old school. Like that was my generation. We were growing up. Read the book. Um, God, that dated me so hard. We are gonna completely switch gears next week, and we are gonna have a party of sorts. We're going to have uh, some guests uh, and uh, we're going to do Return Living Dead. Yeah. So here's, and it's going to be Candy's birthday party. Um, really? I celebrate my birthday a like big deal because you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's all about me sometimes. I'm not <laughs> selfish. It's just like this is my month to be all about me. So yeah, that's gonna be like my 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 pre tattoo pre birthday thing celebration. So yeah, so tune in next week for Return of Living Dead. Thank you guys so much for this conversation. It's been really really Thank fun. Thanks for having me. As always, um, let everybody go ahead and do your plugs. Uh, do you know you first? Well, as always, you can see the Nightmare Nerd on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Uh, please stay tuned for this particular weekend. I got quite a bit coming up because there's a lot nice. to cover. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Rob, your favorite. Oh yeah. Oh my god, I love Flop. <laughs> the voice. There goes the voice. Of course you. Of course you can find me as the Cinema Drunkie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, as well as my numerous writings on UltimateActionMovies.com, as well as ActionFlex.com, and, and my upcoming podcast, The Action Drunkies, which. Uh, I, I, I need to schedule uh, Candy and Sean and everybody else to, you know, because we're starting recording. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and Mac have recorded enough episodes, but just between me and him, where like we're, now we're going to start getting to guests. So I need to schedule everybody to for as guests. Um, and um, one one thing particularly, oh, of course, my my personal blog, the Sunday Post, that WordPress I got. I always fucking forget to plug that one. You know, which seems to be, which should be the most important one. My personal blog, which is always the one I, I seem to forget. I time too. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I just want to take the time out to say, uh, if you can, 
watch the ninth configuration. It's so amazing. I, I love that movie. I, I did. Uh, I, I I've heard people say that uh, you don't ask someone to say if they've seen the the ninth configuration. You ask them how many times, and it's that kind of movie for me. Oh, okay. I mean, I know it's an it's a I know it's an acquired taste. I remember but, you and uh, Nico talking about it actually. It's a it's a film. It's, I, I was telling Di um, the other day. She bought it for me for my birthday once, and I told her the other day that it's still to this day. This was years ago, like two thousand eight. It's still to this day the best thing she's ever gotten me for my birthday. It's one of my favorite birthday presents. I, I love this movie so much. If you can find it, please watch the Ninth Configuration. It's amazing. I can't say enough good things about it. And uh, yes, that's that's all I have to say. Please watch the Ninth Configuration. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, Erica. Uh, so you can find me at myhorrificlife.com and on Instagram at myhorrificlife. I guess as a plug, uh, please check out my friend Andrew Deboff's brewery at threemarmbrewing.com. He is now open like five days a week doing great combo meals. If you're close to Crestline, California, uh, or can you know stop in and visit him. Also, please check out my friend Andre Iskanov's work at patreon.com forward slash Iskanov or at his website, iskanovfilms.com. Um, he is desperately, as am I, like, hoping that he can fund his films uh, Breaking Ouroboros and Ingression and finish those up, which we were going to finish this year, but COVID fucked everything up. So, yes, I we appreciate any support you can give if you or can subscribe to his Patreon page. That's awesome. Can I ask uh, you something awkward? Can you spell that for me? Oh, uh, the... So his name, uh, last name Iskanov, it's I-S-K-O-N-A, oh, sorry, Iskanov, uh, I-S-K-A-V-O-N-A-V, so, I don't know, it's like, it, it doesn't help that he changed his legal name, so, <laughs> sounds like Iskanov, but it ends in O-V. Right. He's he's gonna listen to this like damn Erica. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I could like find it because I, I I I wasn't sure on the spelling, so I wanted to make sure I could like track it down. So. Yeah yeah okay I feel like totally terrible now. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Somebody's gonna have to carry her back to her room. Get Fred Dorf on the phone. Amens to his legal name versus his name. So um yeah. I'm sorry, Eric. Sorry. So Andre, it's Andre with a E R E Y. Okay. And then his last name I S K A O. Sorry, A N O V. So that's okay. his last name. Okay. Yeah, that did not help. Do you want me to edit? Some of this, or do we yeah, just probably? Um, <laughs> I, I admit I've like had a few drinks while we were talking. It doesn't help. I'll, I'll put a disclaimer before your your plug. Oh, disclaimer, <laughs> like yeah, he's wearing really crazy shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. I will definitely look into that. Thank you so much for the info. Warning: Erica is not drunk. She's wearing shoes. That are very comfortable. And she's tired. They're like edit out everything I say after you can find me at myhorrificlife.com. Just cut everything <laughs> after that. 
you'll be better or, off. Seriously. Don't worry, Erica. Don't worry, Erica. All the drinks. I had all the drinks for everybody. I saw like this time I drank over and then got a different one. I was trying to find a bottle which had the fucking which which one has the liquor in it. She's like, oh, that's right. The the other one has all the liquor in it. Let me go get that. (laughs) Hey Rob. Hey Rob, what do you you think? Maybe I should make a song out of her using all those letters. (laughs) No, he remixes everybody. I'm already brain addled like, between literally the fact I was just prescribed Adderall this past week. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, I am literally drunk right now. Um, <laughs> that, that does, yeah, I, I've moved but, on from yeah, the Coca Cola. I finished uh, my only vodka. Cheers, pumpkin ale. Yoo Pumpkin is yes. cool. I use I, I, I do pumpkin I do not like to ingest it. Um, Dave, what you got for us? I just want to uh, thank you all for letting me be here with you wonderful people. I, this is the highlight of my week. I, I, I spend the week doing my homework and reading and because I want to have interesting things to say. And um, you do. It's a lot of fun. Um, Definitely. You guys. Um, but uh, nothing to plug, just always... Wear your masks for the love of God. Please. Wear your masks, vote, and take yes. care of each other for God's sake. Yes. 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 Amen exactly. to that. Always that's be it. kind to each other, if yeah. nothing else. Be kind. Yeah, that's the way we need to close it out every episode is with Rob saying that. That is that is that is it. Boil down. Yeah. Be kind. Like, no, I gotta agree with David. Uh, this 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 show has done amazing things for my you know my mental well, I've health learned, and i've and i've learned so much you guys are so knowledgeable i've learned so much uh, uh, doing it and i just love that so anyway everyone brings something to the table and then as long as we we leave the table with more than we came with you know what i'm saying right. I, and I feel like we do and like rob said this, this show has gotten me through some some difficult times right now that i'm going through and it, it I, it's the highlight of my week i love you guys <laughs> Helen said that uh, when we put out the the, the Bram Stoker director episode, she was like, uh, "You guys' knowledge of film is scary. The way you retain so much knowledge." Scary, <laughs> nice. I, I really enjoyed <laughs> it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so like, I was, I was like, I was like, yeah, Helen. Jim that's was a good way too. To... Like, we really and Ian was fun. Like, yeah. we, I love everybody that we have on. And yeah, Nico, Nico, I'm yeah. excited for Nico to come back next week. So, yeah, um, that'll be fun. So you can find me as Shaun of the Dead on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Slasher, and now on Daniel's OnlyFans, where we don't talk about dicks. <gasps> wait, 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 wait. Thank you for... Oh, oh what about my OnlyFans? Traitor. No, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm just taking a week off. You know, I got to make some I'll, dough. I'll support your OnlyFans this week. I'll take over. I'm just trying to make some <laughs> dough, man. Um, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, like everybody else said... Wear your mask, vote, be kind to each other, spay and neuter your pets. Please. My cat just looked and said, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. The I got one that? cat so angry and the other cat was really relieved about being neutered. Yeah. And for me, um, Katie's Final Girl on Twitter, although I'm not usually on that account. Um, also Katie's Final Girl at... Um, Instagram on Instagram at slasher actually on Twitter it's final work Andy but it doesn't matter um, I'm always on our uh, per, our page for us 
God, I, I think I'm a little tipsy. Uh, our Twitter account for the House of Screams, which is at House underscore Screams. I uh, kind of man that, and you can contact me directly there because I'm never on my personal account. Um, it's actually kind of lame compared to House of Screams. <laughs> we are over 1,700 followers and growing. Um, people like us. Thank you for liking us because we like you. And uh, I have a blog, candycoatedhorror.wordpress.com. I'm lackadaisical about posting things because I'm usually working on like short stories or, you know, ideas for my novels. But I try to get to it and and post like interesting historical or psychological things uh, pertaining to horror. So, yeah. um, Yeah. And and like I said, uh, next week, again, bring your party ads. It is Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. So I'm very excited. So, again, thank you guys. Have a great night. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. Have a good night, everybody.